0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Third Estate Podcast, where we talk about anything finance and whatever else comes to mind. And today we're going to talk a little bit more about what happened with the whole Reddit situation, uh, some of the consequences with the game GameStop, uh, what happened with Silver, and whatever else. I'm your host, AJ Abarka, along with my co-host, Anton Bolich. How's it going? And today we have, unfortunately, Josh couldn't make it, so we have a last-minute guest so, a very close friend of mine, Tyler, was was kind enough to, to join the podcast. Tyler, why don't you tell the folks a little bit about yourself?
1: Hello, everyone. Long-time listener, first-time caller. A uh, little bit about myself. Uh, out of college, I worked at Verizon in a customer service leadership development program. Did that for about three years. Ended up with a 28-person team. As uh, soon as I had my team, I uh, worked that for a little bit and started a few different companies. Left there. And ended up basically spending the money, ended up in my parents' couch and just trying to figure out life. My friend had got a job out on the East Coast, West Coast, I asked if I wanted to go. So took an adventure, got a job at a startup uh, called Zenoti um, about seven years ago. Worked there for about five and a half years and then just recently transferred over to a FANG. Um, at Zenoti I uh, actually just got valued at a billion dollars, which is awesome. So I was the sixth employee. So I saw that grow. And kind of watching that growth, I did uh, you know just customer service interaction for about two years, and then took over their payments and helped grow like their transactions from about a hundred thousand to over three hundred million. So that's all my my vision is into finance is kind of the payment side of the house. Um, After that, I went really into international expansion, and I've launched uh, payments in dozens of countries, different types of like terminals and. worked with a lot of the different banks with just um, processing for FinTechs. So that's kind of my background. And then I met AJ through mutual friends and then uh, just had a bunch of great financial discussions. So been listening to this podcast for a little bit and it's awesome to come on. So
0: thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. We appreciate you having on especially at such short notice uh, to let the folks know. I literally texted Tyler maybe a few hours and said, hey can you be a guest on our podcast? We need somebody last minute. And, uh, yeah, wish he's been gracious to take the time. So I, Anton, I real, quick, <laughs> real quick. Uh, after our podcast on Sunday and that we launched, uh, Josh had, I think, I'm, I think you were involved. Josh had texted me that he bought some SLV. I don't know if he actually did or not. You might have a better Probably. idea, but, uh, I'm curious after our discussion, did you get, did you play at all? Did you get involved? Any of the miners or anything?
2: So he did buy uh, some SLV. Um, I did not get involved in in that uh, ETF, um, exchange traded fund for anybody who doesn't know. Um, But I did actually buy some miners this week. But like I said, last weekend, I bought them. After they had gone down, after the initial bump up when you know uh, silver had a huge climb there at the beginning of the week, I was patient and uh, so I waited till uh, there were some down days. So uh, yeah, but I did buy a little bit, just adding to existing positions.
0: Yeah, and I I didn't buy any myself. Tyler, did you get involved at all? Wait, what's, mi- been- what's
1: miners mean? Like you mean like mining companies? Mining companies. Oh, yeah. Okay, Gold and silver mining. Because I'm not a sheeple (laughs) and you're part of the issue. I'm sorry to have to say, but no, uh, I didn't buy. I woke up after uh, watching the AMC and GME drama to Reddit uh, blasting everywhere that silver was a false flag initiative put on by big media to try and get people to pull their money out of GME uh, to put it into silver. So there was a huge campaign across Reddit um, attacking all of these like big media groups and stuff that put out like silver was the next short squeeze or whatever. I don't know if you can short squeeze silver, honestly, but like all that stuff. So yeah. So did not buy happy. I didn't.
0: Yeah. I mean, from, I'm looking here at the data, I'm seeing about a 14% drop from the initial open of, of Monday to probably the close of today. So I mean, I myself didn't get involved. And uh, I mean, there's been multiple reports of uh, I haven't read any of the articles myself. Anton, maybe you can clarify on this. of uh, Some investment professionals out there are saying essentially there there can't be a short squeeze on silver. I mean, I haven't looked too much into the intricacies of it, but I mean, you and I had mentioned and talked about it on Sunday, right, where silver on a fundamental level is a bit more attractive than going into a company like GameStop or AMC or BlackBerry, right? Especially if you have the kind of economic outlook that you do, which is a bit more on the cautionary side, right? With the fiscal po- fiscal and monetary stimulus that we're receiving lately, um, that would be a a better trade to go. I know a couple people personally who went into did a route like you, they didn't go directly into the SLV or, you know, trying to get into futures or anything like that, participating a little bit in the miners. Um, but what are your thoughts on, on the fallout essentially? Cause I don't know, Tyler, you, you probably know also a bit more with the whole Reddit situation. I, I try to keep up, but I'm still learning the space, right? The forums. And, uh, I don't know if it if it's just the media is no longer covering it anymore or if it, it's kind of the it's kind of faded. What's your opinion the, on that? The silver craze? The the silver, the the whole Reddit, the no, like, uh, you know, Wall Street bets.
1: everyone is so disillusioned right now with the markets in general. But I think silver was something that was tangible and they were like, okay, we could push it into something like that, and then people, boomers, or whatever, ran into it, maybe. But like Like Reddit, I feel is in a disarray in a sense, like everyone's waiting for deep fucking value, which is his name on Reddit to tell everyone what the next stock is. And he just keeps telling everyone to hold GME. So everyone is like slowly bleeding off of this stock. They have no idea where to go. Congress is now bringing him in for questioning now. And it's like he had a movement in a sense where he could have said any stock that he wanted to and had, what is it now, 8.5 million people on Reddit going buy that share immediately. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's some serious power. And all he had to do was say, I like that stock, and then he would be rich. He had $47 million, and he'll end up with, I know it's sad to say, just a few million. But, like, you get what I'm saying.
0: Like, to have, like... Just a few million. You I, hear that? It's just a few million.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean... You had $47 million and you were like, I like the stock. It's like, come on, bro. Yeah, I like the stock too, but pull your funds.
0: Yeah, like, but you'd have to be cautious with doing basically a pump and dump, right? Like uh, if you're if you're the catalyst of telling all these people, hey, buy and buy in, right? And then at the very tip, you're like, okay, I'm going to sell out and front run, sell my positions and then tell the public, okay, I made my multi-millions or whatever you said, right? Like- that's that's basically pump and dump right there. How, how
2: this is do, good, oh, sorry. No, but that's but that's how, how do we not know that that's not what's basically happened? Because even though he was the first one, right? There were more than... It was a group of people that got in on GME at the very beginning, right? GameStop. And that's why I mentioned to AJ last weekend. I mean, this thing was basically... I look at it as a, a more modern tech version of a Ponzi scheme. I mean, because... Now what you have, what's happened this week, is everybody's rushing for the exit. You know, they basically put the word out buy this stock and or stocks with AMC and a couple of these other ones. It pushed the price up. And then now everybody's rushing for the exits. And I think most of us in the industry, at least, from what I read, you know, most people, most opinions, it seems like that was what the expected outcome was. Because a lot of these companies are failing companies, right? Now they may turn it around, but as of now, they're very they're struggling, right? And you, you know, yes, they did it because they wanted to short squeeze, but there's there were valid reasons why a lot of those companies were being shorted in the first place. at least arguments that could be made saying, okay, we think that these businesses may or may not exist in the future and they're going down and they're struggling. So that's that's why these hedge funds were shorting. The stock, but you, you, I, if you are somebody who's going long a company, you don't do it just because I think because someone just tells you to do it, and you are just going to follow a crowd. Now, some people have made some money, but a lot of people probably have lost a lot of money. I, I have several friends that have lost money on that trade um, in in GameStop and AMC, and it, it was to be expected, so I, I, it doesn't shock me at all. So
1: but the th- so my question to you guys would be, would it be considered a pump and dump since he's been saying this for over a year now? For over a year, he's been on the bandwagon. At least this is what I heard, and I, I have to verify, but from at least the postings I've seen, it looks like he's been on this kick for over a year. So if you're on it for a year telling people to buy the stock, buy the stock, and like actually putting up his evidence, trying to explain why in YouTube videos, there are plenty of people out there that do the same thing but he's just giving his advice away for free and he gets like a cult following or it's just like this, like he's just on this drum and slowly everyone else starts beating to the same beat. And all of a sudden he's got two or 3 million people are all holding a stock, like sending it through the roof. Like, is it really considered a pump and dump? Like if everyone just jumps on board
0: after a year and a half or a year? Well, I mean, if, if he's really not selling, right. I'd, and so, what do you think? I don't. I don't believe that would be considered a pump and dump.
2: No. unless
0: he really was pushing for an initiative to.
2: No, I, I wouldn't. I mean, and if, then if he dump was. dump all the
0: shares without telling people, right? And essentially yeah. front run.
2: Yeah, if he's if he's uh, holding, right? Then yeah, I, I probably if if someone asked me my opinion on that, I wouldn't consider that a pump and dump. But you uh, just because you've been. Pumping up the stock for a year doesn't mean that uh, because your pump was for a year doesn't make it a pump and dump. Because if you pump it up and the purpose was basically to get the stock real high and then to sell off, basically while all and these sell, yeah. all these people are buying in, right? Then to me, especially because again, it's what what is the modus behind? Um, your reason for get if you know a stock, like if you think a stock as has no value and you're just trying to get people to buy it because you can get the shares cheap because it's not really a valuable company anymore. and you say, okay, it's cheap. I can get in cheap. and then I'm gonna start putting out info to get people to you know create that cult following then and then when you sell, um, which to be to be fair, my opinion was is, you know, GameStop is not a $325, $400 a share stock. So if I owned shares at that price, I would have sold. Um, that's, that was what I would have done. Um, but, you know, I just, I guess it's the modus behind uh, the action and what's what is what's currently going on because we don't know this week who's who are these people that have been selling.
1: I think also at that moment, it was almost like GameStop was looked at almost like Bitcoin like having a share of GameStop was kind con- like, like, you know, Bitcoin is ethereal. I think GameStop pretty much everyone agrees. Like there's nothing left to that company, but like owning a share all of a sudden became like a right of pride. And this one guy, I think they said at one time he owned 0.2% of the entire company with his full his, uh, position with the amount of uh, options and everything he had. So do so you think, so if, if he sold it at $47 million, Let me ask you this. If you think he's like, let's say he got to the height. So he pumps GME up for a year. It goes to like $300, $400 and he just sells out. He takes that $50 million, puts it in his bank and he's like, cool. You guys can do what you want. Do you think it would be considered a pump and dump? Like, isn't a pump and dump have to be quick or is pump and dump could go
0: like, doesn't have to like, maybe this is me not knowing, but isn't it like a a four week thing? No. I mean, uh, you just have to be pumping up the stock and then selling without you know basically to manipulate it's all about manipulation if you're manipulating the public say right. oh these, this is my thesis whether it, it be like truly material and something and then sell at the peak
1: yeah
0: right that's that's the pump and dump where it's like okay Tyler Antone buy this stock buy this stock buy this stock even if I've been telling you for years and then eventually I get you finally listen to me and I say oh, okay now I have a bigger audience people are actually listening to me on reddit pump this, pump this up. Oh sweet. Now it's $400. All right, suckers. Now I'm finally out cool. after being involved in game. Especially,
2: especially if he's telling people to buy and, or hold while he's selling, right? Because if you're telling yeah. people to hold on to their shares or to buy the stock while you're selling, you're saying that because you want to get the highest price for your shares possible. Um, now we don't know, right? We don't know if that's what's happening. Um, but uh, I just think the whole the whole movement behind this, um, you know if if you if you see an opportunity to short squeeze, like if if especially I think GameStop um, at one point, I mean I know for a lot of the last couple of weeks prior to all this getting started, the short interest on this stock was extremely high. I think I read stuff that it was above hundred percent of the shares. So there are, plenty of institutional investors that would take advantage of, of uh, making a short-term move because they want a short squeeze, right? They see an opportunity and they do it. And and Tyler, I mean, you, you said you're, you're a listener, so you probably heard us talk about a little bit about how the the play by um, Ro- uh, Robinhood and some of these other uh, custodians to basically shut down trading. We AJ and I and Josh are you know, we just think that was complete garbage. I mean, that was that is not the way things should work, even though at least Josh and I feel very strongly that the whole trading premise behind the that movement uh, was very ill thought out by a lot of people. Um,
0: I get the I get the premise was, you know, that's not something I would follow either. Right. I mean, even when I bought some shares of AMC in my gut, I was like, this is just terrible idea. I should not be doing this, but you know, fuck it. It was only 500 bucks for the movement. If if the movement was really there, I mean, if he's genuinely holding the shares and, you know, if he wanted to initiate a short squeeze, well, you know, objective completed at least, right? Whether he's continuing to hold it just out of principle because he, that's what he wanted to do. I mean, respect if he wasn't really doing it for money. I mean, I mean, who are we to, to really judge on that point. And I mean, going back to the Robin hood thing, I mean, it wasn't just Robin hood that was restricting buying or limitations on trades, but I kind of want to touch base a bit on the short squeezing, right? I'm getting so annoyed now that I'm seeing long, you know, not just Reddit cause I'm not on Reddit too much, but I do go on some of the, the chats like stock quit stock twits and stuff like that. Where if we see some big uptick on a particular company, I mean, actually, Tyler, you and I were talking the other day, right, of, oh, we were trying to figure out why one company, the share price had just jumped. Biotech company, shares had gone up. Um, I knew they they had a fireside chat going on, a private one going on. Couldn't really figure out what was going on. And I saw in some of the chats when I was last resort trying to figure out what was happening. So many people were saying, this is a short squeeze. This is a short squeeze. Yeah. You know, push all the shorts out. And I'm looking at the, the interest right on that. And I'm like, it's only about 7%. If that, that's that's pretty healthy for, you know, a stock. You know, it's, it's not like going to Tesla up in the 20s or 40s. I can't remember way back. You know, sometime last year, I think, where it was higher, even GameStop, right? Ninety-nine percent interest. It's like everyone seems to be using the term short squeeze as just a a term of like, yeah, like go for it. This is the movement, the short squeeze movement, right? And it's it's they're
2: misusing the term because I was gonna say that when we were talking about silver. I think Tyler, you you mentioned the question of can you really short silver? It's like I don't, I don't know what if there is it, like what short interest there is in the market in silver, but I can't imagine. Wait, wait, that what's
1: short interest?
2: It's basically active, uh, active investments or bets that the uh, price is going to go down okay. versus long interest that you think something's going to go up. So when they were shorting GameStop. Um, they Those hedge funds were betting that the price was going to go down and from where they initiated their positions. And so um when we talked about how over a hundred percent of the shares were were being shorted um, at times on that tr- uh, on that stock for GameStop, that's very high short interest. whereas what AJ just pointed out, you know, 7%, that's healthy. I mean, we, you, you, you never want everybody on one side of the boat. Um, because that's, that's usually not a good sign for whatever that trend of direction things are going. So I don't really know of a lot of anybody actually as a heavy investor, um, that is, is shorting silver. Now that's not to say that, that in a large amount, I don't, I don't, that's not to say that it's not happening, but um, that was going to be my point that I brought up when we were talking earlier. Is, is I don't, I, that's why I didn't look at the silver as a short squeeze, even though, again, I think that was what was being brought up on Reddit or on the media. Um, but I, I, that's why I, out of all the investments that were made um, by the Reddit crowd, I liked the, the silver uh, play the most because I think it was, it's something that has the most chance of having a um, uh, maintaining value or gaining in value versus the others because I'm not really a fan of of those other companies that were invested in
1: well do you do you think it was a conspiracy then to like that silver was just brought up by the media to get people to move into silver because that's what it's that's the the feeling at least of what I can gather online is that silver was brought up as a false flag to get people to move into something where hedge funds had put their money and then they'd also shorted on the GME and then they make a swing. And maybe this is just people stringing things together, but like, it's like, it seems like people wouldn't want to go into silver as the next thing. That wouldn't be the big thing for them to short squeeze. It would be like some random stock that someone's been talking up for a little bit. Like, you have what is it the main twelve stocks that they all talk about? Like, like I, I don't know. Like you, I, I felt like what I thought was going to happen was GME was going to keep shooting up, and then they were just going to like basically dump out of there, go over to AMC, bring it up to three hundred, go over to BlackBerry, bring it up to three hundred, and just keep jumping from stock to stock to yeah. stock. Like that's why I think a lot of people are like, this is the French Revolution of finance. There's no way to stop it,
2: and like yeah, but that's tangibly what- stopped it. Those people don't understand that when they boost the stock like that, who are they going to sell to, right? When they boost the price up, you have to sell and, and make money on that. Now, if you're a a Reddit leader, let's call them a leader and you got in when, when GameStop was 40 bucks or, or $20, right? You're, you're going to have made, it's going to, you're going to make money almost guaranteed. We don't know if you will, but. You're almost guaranteed because you have so much time to get out of that trade when the stock is trading at $400 a share, right? Mm-hmm. But you have that crowd. Unless you, get greedy. unless you get greedy, right? And you don't pull the trigger to sell to get into the next uh, AMC or the BlackBerry or whatever, right? But a lot of those people, like the friends that I have that got into that, that were wanting to be part of the movement, they got burned because they were getting in at 325 or 280 right and before they knew it the stock was you know below 200 right so the problem with that theory is you're not it's not like institutional money is going to come in and buy their shares for them so what they're going to do is is they're going to pump up the crowd get a lot of people into that into gamestop and then when they go to sell half of them or i shouldn't say half i don't know what the number would be but some of them would lose money and so then they aren't going to keep following the movement because they're going to say oh uh, I lost money on this. I'm not moving on to AMC, and then you have to, it's basically a law of diminishing returns, right? Because every single time they do it, there's going to be people that are going to lose, and they're going to say, "Okay, I don't, I'm done with this." And that's that's why the theory behind all of that. It, I just don't get it. I mean, I just it it, it there's no you need to plan more than one step ahead, right? And so um, that. I just, I just don't understand it. I just, I mean, so
0: if, if I feel like if anything has been learned from this, it's really a, there are chinks in our system. I mean, we've been learning that since, you know, the beginning of the the pandemic, right. Social unrest, economic unrest now among different social classes. Uh, and you hear all the time, right. Especially when this was happening, Oh, this is going to turn out badly for a lot of people. And well, I mean, like I said last time, time will tell whether whether the dollar amount and let me ask you real quick, Anton, before I finish my point, those those friends of yours that invested in in like GMA and stuff like that, did they do a
2: lot of their assets or no, 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 no. Small small trades and but this is how bad it was. On Friday, I, I saw a text conversation where they were worried that their assets, the, their trades, their money that was in their Robinhood accounts was going to get confiscated because they were worried if Robinhood goes bankrupt that basically their their accounts, assets, were just going to get seized, eliminated, to yeah. eliminated as part of that uh, uh, bankruptcy. Well, that goes and, to
0: my point, right? Like this movement at least has shown, uh, has shown at least professionals like us um, that, the confidence in the markets, right? The, the capital markets, US markets that we have in regards to the retail investor is not as strong as we had hoped, right? We, you and I hear all the time whether, you know uh, professionals like ourselves were bullish, we're bearish on you know, the stock market or the equity markets, bond prices in regards to the retail investor you don't really hear too much in regards to cons- uh, to sentiment on their end right and i think you know we always have in our profession trying to boost confidence because that creates a better more efficient s- ecosystem right when it comes to trading and such and i've i've seen because you were you were talking about you didn't see the point and i think this was a Tyler coming back to your French Revolution comment earlier and you know that was the the title of our last last episode really a lot of the people now of course i i understand we won't know the numbers i don't know the number of how many people have gotten burned and are down significantly right from these trades but it's shown that like there are a lot of investors retail investors out there that are not happy with the current system that we have and they do have if they consolidate their power individual power whether it be through a ve- speaking on a vehicle like reddit twitter what have you on some of these small stocks and we can talk like they wouldn't have this kind of power with something like apple or amazon or microsoft that just the the market cap's just way too big right but on some of these smaller companies that's that's where they can have a bit of a say and say you know this is this is not how we want the system to be we're going to again for reasons what have you of why people got into this trade whether it was momentum to join the quote unquote movement of you know I the short squeeze of hedge funds i don't know but there's clearly there's la- that already existing lack of confidence that retail investors have with with the us stock see market.
2: i i would look at it as they are showing that they don't like the system. That is clear, right? But I would argue that they're showing a real uh, belief in the system. I mean, they're basically placing bets, right? And and the the, the logic behind it, just uh, I don't get it because you know they're 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 not even they're not even getting into companies that are making money, right? So if you want that control, right? If you want to have that revolt, in my opinion, it should be at least going going into a, something that that is a, a a working business um they're they're picking they're picking they pick stocks that that are struggling right and but,
1: but, i mean they pick stocks that are struggling because they're hoping to turn that six hundred dollars into like ten thousand not like twelve hundred or like ten thousand by the time they retire they want they want to put that into something where they're going to get that instant return i mean if you think of it like I don't know how I don't, I'm trying to find it right now and I'll have to keep looking for it, but how much like under management Robinhood actually has. But I mean, if you have, you know, all of these real retail investors, that's, that's your term. But if you think of it, it's just like a hive that's never had a queen. It's all these bees that are swarming around each doing their own thing. No idea what's going on. They've been manipulated over time to do certain things. They finally get like a foothold. They have their like swarm together. They're, killing off this company making a lot of money and then
2: you know like i i would I look it at it learn though i think that's the thing I, they learned i, I don't like, i i don't think they'll learn i I, no, no, but I think
1: the learn was that they learned that the, like they they learned a hard lesson like aoc and donald jr like came out together and supported the same thing i mean what they learned was that their system's unfair and rigged like you just lost, like a whole generation of investors just like lost out on like the six hundred bucks they had, the three hundred bucks they had, like that small amount or whatever it was. The people that are like, "I have three stocks of GME. I'm gonna hold them for my grandkids as like a point of honor." Like you have people yeah, who now, like it's a, a belief.
2: I'll I'll, I'll I'll compare that. I'll compare this example to. It's like it's like a ship in the eighteen hundreds, right? A ship of sail that goes out into the Pacific Ocean and shipwrecks itself on purpose onto a tropical island where there's a limited food supply. And then they, they kill off the food supply. And then they realize, well, wait a minute, there's, there isn't any food here. We got to actually keep going, but we just wrecked our ship on purpose because I agree with you, right? That they, they want it. You're going to have more strength in numbers, right? Especially when you're a smaller investor than they showed it, right? They, they broke a couple of hedge funds, but you don't do it by, by, um, going into companies that, that aren't profitable. Right. And, and again, some of them made money, right? But it, they're making money off of each other because they're basically, and some of the hedge funds, I'll, I'll acknowledge that. But but long term, right? That movement, I mean, let's say you said, what was it, six, eight million people? How many of those, of that number, probably lost money on that, on the trade? Let's say just in I, I I agree, I but know. it's
1: not, I think the thing is, the people that made the money were the people that were on Reddit that got in early, that they were the younger ones. They were the ones that just had the Hood accounts. Like one of my friends, he only invested in GME. It's the first stock he ever bought. He's actually a police officer, just became a cop. He bought 25 shares or something like that. He's like, I've made more on this stupid stock than anything else. And like, he made a bunch and sold and like, good for him. But like, you know, he found out because his friend told him to look in this subreddit group that everyone was talking about it. Like, like a few months ago, like the, 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 the profitability for someone that's working at like some fast food restaurant that, you know, can't necessarily save for the 401k that can't put away like, like every month their thing is maybe is this gamble of trying to hit the next thing. So you have like a whole new generation of retail investors that are just gamblers. Like they've sat at home all of quarantine. They've gotten used to throwing away money on this and I don't think it's going to go away. I think it's just going to get more strategic.
2: Am, it might, so but
1: that
0: scares About the next generation of, yeah,
2: it's, this is the problem. Okay. This is the problem with, with the mentality out there. And, and I don't think it's just young people, right? It just, this whole market is, is, is just feasting on free money. You know, a lot of these people, like you said, they're gambling, right? They're getting, they're getting some stimulus checks or, or maybe they're not getting stimulus checks, and they, they basically are at a point where mentally, you know, they're they're using their hard earned money, but they are uh, just basically saying, you know what, I'm just going to start throwing stuff at the wall and see if it sticks. I mean, that is not a basis for investment decisions, right? Now, like I said at the very beginning of this, I, I bought some minor, mining stocks, right? The the beginning of this uh, um, podcast, and I did it this week, and I've I've owned some you know, all, not all, but a lot of 2020, uh, last year. And, but my basis behind those plays is rooted in views on potential inflation, uh, the, the financials and the fundamentals. And so that's, you know, and I might be wrong, but but that's the basis by which people should be, I think, making investment decisions. Especially too, because what's going to happen is, you know, we do have these stories that you just mentioned of people that are going to make a lot of money, and some that might make some money. But but what about these people that are just going to basically be just pouring money down the drain, and they're going to lose money. And then what's going to happen when they're basically, you know, getting kicked out of their house or their apartment, or, or just really struggling because instead of holding on to that money and maybe saving it or investing it more wisely, they now don't have it. And if times get tough, they, they're they going to really wish that they had that.
1: Yeah. But I mean like there's the same generation you're talking about right now. If you ask like maybe night, I'm going to generalize here. If you ask them, a large percent of them would want to be a YouTuber for a job. Like there's only so many successful ones. It's the same thing. It's like you have people now that are like, you have what is a jar rule and all these celebrities now getting on it. Like, it's 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 not it's no longer it's a completely an emotional play right now and like there's no more fundamentals when it comes to stocks like fundamentals in a big way unless you're looking at long term right
2: dead no i agree i agree fundamentals and that's that's another issue that's a separate that's that's the you know the federal reserve
1: the young generation just killed them in like one step like mm-hmm. think, if you think about it, like if he's like it wasn't like what was you before it was also you mentioned in a previous podcast I think it was like the hierarchy of needs ones and then you mentioned right. like hard earned money right yeah so it's like you know these kids it's like hard earned money but it's like still it's you're sitting there and you're looking at these people and you're seeing like you know you know there's loss porn and gain porn but like at the same point like it's like people want to just be on the board I feel in a way they just want to play the game, whether they, some people don't care whether they lose or win. They just want to play the game and everyone's in it to win of course. But like, if you have $600, if you think about it, like six, like if you're trying to factor out how much you can make and you're looking at some, you know, some stock that's like $5 a share and you start to compare it and you're right. Like the last podcast, I remember you saying like, you're going to expect to make this much in every single like deal you go into. But I think that like, I don't think that expectation should be there for every single deal, but I think you have a unified group of people in which they took down their discord, their Facebook group and their Reddit to try. I don't know if they took down their Reddit to try and stop them from short squeezing to the point of where someone said it was 30 minutes away from breaking the markets for like around the world. Like, like you, like, I don't know, like it took them to literally break the system to stop a group of like self-proclaimed like autists on there
0: yeah but the issue right is setting those expectations for the future of those potential and future trades that those individuals are going to be making right i mean we've all mentioned a lot of people nowadays they're just they're just essentially placing bets without any fundamental idea of the company that they're putting into and in my in my opinion right now there's there's one Method of, you know, trading and I mean, we use it too is is technical analysis and that's looking at the price movement and other technical factors like volatility, volume, stuff like that. But it's still there's still a strategy in play, let's say, right, when when we're trying to do something uh, to generate returns. Now, the, the concern I have is what you have with Bitcoin and, you know, some of these plays is that future expectation I mean, I don't know. I haven't done the digging. Maybe Tyler, you can tell me since you know more about the space. But if the the guy, his YouTube channel is Roaring Kitty. Josh had mentioned his name as the the guy responsible for uh, deep fucking value on Reddit. On on the mm-hmm. right, he had mentioned because I watched one of his. He had a couple videos talking about his his investment philosophy or strategy. Right, and he goes. Um, yeah, that's 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 the guy on on uh, on Roaring Kitty. But he had mentioned in in his investment strategy or uh, philosophy videos that he goes for like. Not just the 10 bangers. He's going for like the 50, 100 bangers. Now, to to his uh, accord, right, or to his defense, he does come out in the video multiple times and say, hey, this is what works for me. This is what I try to do. This does not mean you should try to go for this. And this is extremely risky. I am taking on a lot of risk at least I'd give him praise for that, that he's aware of the amount of risk that he's taking. And that's one thing that concerns me. I mean, Anton, you and I always talk about one of our fundamental things for Chimera Wealth, right, is we... Manage our assets and the assets of clients with having a risk management strategy in place. Right now, it's great if I mean, we tell clients, I tell clients all the time if you want to have, you know, 10% of your portfolio, 10 grand, what have you, in a hood account, whatever, that's completely separate from the firm or the assets that we manage. And that's your play money. And I've, I think I've mentioned this before in the past, right? That's your play money. I really don't give a shit what you do with it. Like we can, you know, talk about it, what your thoughts are and stuff like that. I won't give you recommendations. You can put all 100% into Tesla or GameStop, Bitcoin, what have you. But the, the idea there is it's a small por- portion of your portfolio that you are okay. If you lose all of that, then the 90% or the majority of your assets you know, are invested in, in something that has an actual philosophy or strategy behind it, something that the risk is mitigated and invested in assets that have reasonable expectations, right? To expect that you're going to get a 1000% return, a 100% return every single time, you know, every two weeks or every month. That's just unreasonable. Like, who do we he- who do we know that can consistently generate those returns day in and day out? You know, because damn near impossible.
2: Yeah. And that's and that to me is is more of a description of what is problem with the system in the markets because you have a expectation out there that is unrealistic for the majority of people and i have a real problem with the attitude of saying hey i'm just going to basically just start swinging for the fences and cuz you we know right that a lot of those people they're going to swing for the fence i think i shouldn't say we know but i think that they're going to swing for the fence and then, if when they come up short, which eventually you you know people will, then what are they going to do? It's like, oh, we need to go 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 back to the uh, the federal government for some more stimulus money or some more bailouts. Because, to be honest, a lot of this betting, which is what it is, it's it's because we have gotten so used to not having to face the consequences of decisions that we make that adversely uh, affect us in a negative way. Um, whereas prior, that's what it, that's, you used to have to deal with it. So people were a lot more cautious with their decisions. Um, Wait, wait you know, I, every, I, everything you just said, you could just turn around and say, right to the hedge funds. Like, I agree. I up, agree. got like, I a hundred percent agree. I, I agree. They, we shouldn't be bailing those hedge funds out. We shouldn't be bailing out. Now, if a company wants to bail out another company, that's on them. Right. I mean, yeah. Capital. But, like Yeah.
1: They, Melvin got bailed out yeah. by Citadel, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah that's, I agree a hundred percent, but, um, I mean, I grew up on stories, uh, from, you know, my, my father, my, my great uncle, um, just people that were around, you know, living most of their lives in the 1900s. And back in the day, people did not take, they did, they did not want a bailout, a handout. They, they would rather just basically, uh, become bankrupt without declaring bankruptcy because they wanted to pay their debts. Now it's an attitude of, Oh, I'm going to take a ton of risk because I know the government's going to come in and save my behind. Um, if, if, if things go ass backwards, right. And so then if you don't have uh, the negative consequence of your risk that you're taking, that distorts markets and that's a moral problem, hazard. Yeah. moral hazard, right? That's what it is. So, uh I just have a real issue with that i
1: mean okay let me okay side question how do you feel about universal basic income just oh. just random side question i just, yes or no that's all i no know no you know? okay. no just no. this i don't know i had a feeling just wanted to know okay so um i respect your opinion <laughs> <laughs> no i mean I, I i think I think we're on the same page i think it's like I think there needs, like everyone's saying, there needs to be one set of rules for everyone. But the thing is, people that are financially savvy are always going to have an edge over people that are not. I mean, why else would someone be listening to this podcast unless they want to get, you know, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, there is something to be said that people that go out and look for the knowledge are the ones that are going to attain it. Like, there's a lot of people out there that their only due diligence they do is reading the stock threads. Like, I mean, like, I have plenty of stocks out there that I've, I've invested in and then sold when a, at a loss, like one of my worst things is I'm an emotional investor. Like I've gotten advice from AJ about like how to like try and like structure like my, like just emotions in a sense, like separating the two because you know, when you look at it you start getting emotional and you start seeing that spike, you're like, Oh my God, it's never going to go back down. It's going to keep going up and then it comes back down. You're like, Oh my God, it's never going to come back up. I better get out. So like, you get these like emo- I, I get into an emotional tailspin when I invest. It's a roller coaster. Yeah, it is, and it, it's a high. It's a rush, and it's like addicting, and like that's a thing to it. Is a lot of people are bored. I mean, I already said this. Like, it's just think. You know what? When COVID, is, let me let me put it this way. Do you think when COVID is completely over, that people are going to continue to do it as much just because they enjoy it? like they've become addicted to it. And like, this is a new lifestyle. Like this is a new bet they're going to take every, every month. Like they're, they're used to it or like they'll have like, we, the expenses like gas and like traveling, commuting will come back. And all of a sudden they won't have that little bit of extra money they've been having. They won't get that little stimmy check, like whatever they want to call it.
0: I think it'll, it'll come down to, there will be a group of people. We won't have the extent that we have now, but there will be a certain amount of people, and it's as as sad as it, it's going to say for me to say this, that meet a certain income and expense balance sheet, that they do have that extra income that they can provide to go into gambling, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, that being said, once things pick up and, and vacations are going to come, who who really knows? I think... From from my conversations with people who are just getting into the game, they're really into learning. I mean, I'm just I was talking to a friend, and he's wanting to learn more about options, like in the actual technicals. At least I hope so, because that's those are the references that I gave him, right? But uh, I think I think there will be people out there who will still participate. Probably not as much, but they'll still participate. Now, hopefully, my hope on that point is that they'll take the time to better educate themselves to make sure that they don't make these emotional decisions. Right. Or just knee shot more because sometimes, Hey, they work out good for you. Mm. Pat yourself on the back, but you got lucky. Let's be real. You got lucky, right? Like if, if it doesn't work out, we'll evaluate the situation, learn from it. Like you need to learn from it. Otherwise the next stimulus check that you get and it's uh, who knows what people might get? Oh, $2,000, you know, 15, a thousand. I don't need this money right now. Let me put it into the stock, stock lottery casino here. Let's see what I can win with it. And let me see if I can double my return and get 2000, 10,000. Right. Um, The thing is, I think you're absolutely
1: right. But the thing is the market right now with how like, I mean, like it's doing fairly well, like even if you go into certain stocks, so like, I mean, I think a lot of people are getting used to seeing it. And I think when the downturn comes, maybe that's going to be the difference. But I think a lot of people you're saying is like self-fulfilling prophecy. They think it's going to happen. And it is like, I was like, oh, this stock's going to go up. And it did. And what was
2: the reason? I still don't know. Like, Well, you you mentioned it about just a second about universal basic income. I'll give an example of that, right? You have people that they are trying to basically ever increase their their stock market returns. Well, you're, you're not going to win on that if it's, it's not sustained by real economic production and data, right? And the same token goes with income. You have these people that, you know, they're struggling at a certain income level. So what do they do? They say, we need a universal basic income or we need to raise the minimum wage. But then what they don't realize is, if you just artificially do that, all you're doing is is just it giving yourself more money, but then your costs go up. You're not you're not net better off, and in a lot of situations, they are worse off than they were if they had just left it alone. And that's my problem. Is again, we are so focused whether it's investing or these other economic issues of one step ahead instead of taking a look and saying, okay, what is that going to lead to? You know, what, what's the picture look down the road three or four or five steps? Um, that's, that's the real problem. Uh, but like, couldn't you say the
1: real problem is the single mom that can't afford to feed her kid? Like, no, isn't, couldn't you like, you don't think that's the issue? Like, couldn't you pay like people that make under $25,000 a year, give them like an extra 10 K be like, or, like, no. pay for their child support or something? You think just pure industry, not a titan of industry style, like, duke it out? Like,
2: well, like what, I, where I do think, you
1: think the, where do you think, like, social services should end then if you don't think universal basic income, like universal Medicaid or Medicare, like, strip the system. So, so I'm not gonna say, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm just gonna, so libertarian views, or are we talking more extreme? Like, are we talking, we're we going
2: into the socialism views? Like, we're, no, we're, we're definitely not. We don't want any socialism. I mean, I, I don't know of a, an example here. Like, so when we talk about support, right. We know, we know there's data that says the private sector does things better and more efficiently than the, p- the public sector, other than maybe make war. Right. Well, uh, I don't think,
1: Yeah, of course.
2: Right. But they, the costs are lower. Right. So when, when, and we'll just use the u s. government as an example. Um, when the u s. government tries to do something, they they typically do not do it as well as the private sector. so i th- I take that attitude, and I'm thinking to myself, i'll give you I'll give you social security as an example. You know, everybody talks about social security being bankrupt. Um, social Security was created back in the day with the thought that it was going to provide old people. Some income at the very late stage of their life, but what people don't understand is the government at used actuarial data, knowing that there were a lot of people that were not going to be using Social Security for that long because their life expectancy and when the the income would kick in would not be, you know, very much space between the two, right? But where where Social Security has started to lose money is is disability claims. It was never anticipated that disability uh, payouts would be so much. And we know that there's a lot of, uh, fraud and, and, social security disability, but again, the government didn't, you know, there's no forethought of, Oh, where's this, where are we going down this road? And, and the costs associated to that. And so, yeah, I, I don't, we need to take a look at how did we get in the situation in the first place? It's kind of like the debt situation. It's not saying, Hey, let's fix the debt situation by, uh, looking forward um, and trying to patchwork the, the debt load or the interest payments. Let's figure out, okay, why are we stacking debt to the moon? What, what, are, what are we doing to add to that? And let's fix that problem.
1: It, well, I mean, okay, there's a lot of reasons, but one of them is because we don't raise taxes, like for if we're compared to like no. what cost of living and everything increases. So everything increases over the years except tax. And then the expectation is to everything still continue as is. Like there's there there's a I mean it's a spending pro problem tax, but I'm just saying like if it's you a spending think, problem. You think it's a spending problem, not a taxation problem.
2: No. Yeah, we we, we tax more than we did. How come we didn't have issues with debt? How come we didn't have issues with debt prior you know, we didn't have income taxes for a lot of the uh, time that the US was a country and we didn't have debt problems the same way we do now. I mean, yeah, our our debt as a percentage. I mean, you're of
0: talking way back in the day, though, man. Times have changed, right? Yeah. Now, I, I mean, I changed. agree with you. you spend that a, lot a lot of money. That's what programs need to be reassessed, right? But there is a there is a certain level of let's call it humanity that needs to be maintained. You that's know, charitable
2: organizations. Yeah. And here's the thing, too: is is you don't incentivize bad behavior, right? Because if you don't incentivize bad behavior then you're going to have fewer people that are going to be engaging in that behavior and you're probably going to be left with the people who truly are in the situation due to no fault of their own, right? If you don't incentivize it. And those are the people we want to take care of. I don't want to take care of somebody who put themselves in that situation or you know is being rewarded because they're they know, oh, I got to work the system and I got to do this. They know what they're doing. And again, it, it, we've incentivized all that. Well, in like with
1: Social Security, you would have so much more money if people paid in. And yes, we'll always have disability fraud. But if the taxation was actually going through, I mean, and like wages have kept up over the years with like CEO payments and other things like that. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't like wouldn't everything be fair if, if all of those like, you know, if, if the amount had stayed the same? And like, there's so many things. I don't get like, like I was just looking this up and it's kind of not to jump around, but like $732 billion is what the U S spent on the military a year. And it's like, just well, take 32 billion and put it towards schools. Uh, I agree. Like, we, we, no, schools have plenty of, here or there. Schools I mean, but, have plenty like, of money. But like, how could you justify then? Like, so that's the thing that, that bothers me about it is like, we justify all this stuff for war. We justify all this stuff for whatever, but in the end we can't justify the stuff for like, social security and yeah there's fraud and stuff but there's also like a bunch of old people that can't afford their medications that are like have to choose between food or meds and stuff like that and it's like like we're the only superpower that doesn't have like universal basic health care at least you you, you know why all those
2: you know why all those countries can pay all that money uh, in, in europe no, it's it's because Europe Europe doesn't have any military. To, they don't they don't need to defend themselves because we pay, they it. Pay. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. we pay for it exactly. Yeah, because we pay for it. That doesn't racist. mean that they're. I'm not still a still fan out. of the entire. Okay,
1: I'm not a fan of. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to say one way or another. political, line, I know, stay away from it. But over the last few years, by re, like removing, f- removing or threatening to remove a lot of support, increased other people like Germany's Well, Germany was always good. I think it was like Poland who increased a lot their support to the U.S. and like. NATO, so we pulled back some, which is nice. But like, I, there's there's too much money and too much to save with taxes and everything that like to say like healthcare, like university, like university basic income would be. Well, how much would it cost the U.S.?
0: No, I get what you're saying, Tyler. Yeah. I mean, but the issue is, and I have no, I do have sympathy for those uh, elected in government in regards to the difficulty of pushing these policies because the, it really comes down in my opinion the line of okay well what is what is a reasonable cost right it's i mean okay we're talking about military spending here does that sound reasonable to well probably all three of us are saying no right what's a reasonable cost for then the education system the healthcare system i mean we've it's bloated all of them are bloated Okay,
2: is uh, it gonna really be simple just to no, make it I,
1: simpler? I mean, I know this is stupid to say that, but like, like not. I know you can go into flat tax and all this other crazy stuff and stuff like that. But like, what? W- Let me ask you this then: What would be if you could do any or change? Like, or what would be your next step to do something like to make things more equal or better? Or is it like things will never be equal? Like the fact is, like it's a capitalist society, and that's what it is. And like, no matter
0: what you know what, capitalism is going to win. I don't think that's just a form of capitalism, right? I mean, there will, unfortunately, it's it's too sad to say this, but there will always be the haves and the have-nots, right? I mean, it's just like going back to our original discussion in regards to stocks. There will always be those who win and those who lose. For every buyer, there's a seller, right? And no matter what system is going to be created or implemented, there will be those individuals who know how to play the game. Whatever game that is, whether it's capitalism, socialism, communism, what have you, people will learn, right? And it's those individuals who learn and adapt, right? Darwinism. Those who can adapt will thrive. And it's, it's unfortunate, but...
1: You can't play the game though. They ran over and pulled the cord out of the wall, and they were yeah, like, "No more play game." That is my stocks are supposed to keep going up. The moon? Where's the moon? And no, they crashed.
0: Why? Yeah, but Why that
2: is, is that is what socialism is. It's it's that control. That, that's what's so funny to me is is when we talk about capitalism, right? People are complaining about capitalism not working, and I would say that the reason it's not working anymore is because we have inserted socialism into capitalism and it's breaking it no i disagree with that well i yeah well i agree with it (laughs) (laughs) i mean we'll we'll
0: have to have that discussion for another time because we're wrapping up here on uh we're coming up to the top of the hour but um tyler any final questions or thoughts that you have you can attack Anton all you want after once we're off air.
1: No, no, no. This was good. I had a, I had a great time. I appreciate the invite. This was enjoyable. I learned some stuff, and then I uh, had, had some good discourse, which I always enjoy. And uh, no, thank you so much for having me on. And you know, everyone have a great day or night or whatever you
0: say at the
2: end of a podcast.
0: Yeah, Anton, you have any final remarks?
2: No, I, I just to iterate that. It, I mean, I really appreciate Tyler joining us. Um, I like you know, it's good, I think, to get different perspectives from people. And um, I know we're trying to make that a theme of our podcast is, is to not just have people from the financial investment industry on here, because uh, it is very easy to uh, get into a tunnel vision of talking to people who think very similarly to uh, myself or you and and just, getting a feel for what other people are seeing out there. So uh, just thank you for Tyler for joining us.
0: Yeah. Thanks Tyler. And as always, anyone who's listening, if you have any questions, feedback, want to be a guest of the show again, email us at uh third estate pod at gmail.com. And now for the greatest part of this podcast, the disclosures, you should not treat any opinion expressed on this channel as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy but only as an expression of an opinion. Investments or strategies mentioned on this channel may not be suitable for you. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on information on this channel, you should consider whether it's suitable for your particular circumstances and strongly consider seeking advice from your own financial or investment advisor.